podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Chairman Mao, Jamie Howe, Ho Chi Minh, Asif Din, Vaslav Havel, Graham Savile, No Surrender, Percy Fender, Guerrilla Cricket. Botham, Richards, Garner, Trisgothic, Caddick, Gimlet, White, Bess, Leach, Rogers, Close, Gale, Azam. Just a few names that have graced the county ground in Taunton and the home of Somerset. A beautiful ground in the southwest of England uh, and a reputation over many years for playing a dashing and exciting brand of cricket since, well, before anyone would have used the phrase brand of cricket. Since 1875, in fact, they've been delighting a passionate and loyal base of members and fans. Yet when England get battered in a test, there are those who point out point an accusing finger towards our first-class county game. Some even question the status of counties at all. Today, my guest is the CEO of Somerset, Gordon Hollins, who is looking to steer Somerset to growth and success on and off the field. Gordon, a very, very warm welcome to Gorilla Cricket. Thanks, Tony. I'm very pleased to be here. Well, delighted to have you. Well, let's start, if we may, with um, finding out just a little bit about you you're steering the direct you've been steering the direction of the game itself with the ecb mm. uh, and then you've kind of zoomed in to uh, one of its uh, 18 counties tell us a wee bit about that journey i think they call it gamekeeper turned poacher don't they is that the right way around i'm glad I you used so. that phrase i nearly wrote yeah. it in, the, in my question <laughs> hey, hey luke i um i started my life in cricket 20 years ago uh, 21 years ago nearly uh, as commercial manager at durham um, all those years ago, great club, great to see them bouncing back now um, after a really difficult few years. And I then went to ECB uh, in 2007 in various roles, looking after some venues. And then for the vast majority of the time, I was the conduit between the ECB and the first class counties and the broader and the national counties and the county boards too for um, a long time, um, which was, was great fun. Learned a huge amount. Doing that job, as you can imagine, I got kind of got to know every county inside out and upside down and sideways. And I really wanted uh, before, you know, as, as, as part of my career to uh, put in put in practice the best practice that I'd seen around the country, really, uh, because I found that in that job that there were a lot of uh, a lot of really good good practice, but it tended to be in pockets. Uh, rather than universal, so I, I've tried to steal. <laughs> the plan was to try and steal as much of it as possible and and replicate it all in Somerset, which really appealed to me. In that Somerset is the only county in the country where cricket's the biggest sport, um, and that's something that's critically important. It's um, so relevant. You walk through Taunton and you see you know the ring of bells with stumps in it. You see the, the wickets cafe. You see the cricketers' arms. I've done that. Walk. You see lots. Yeah, you see lots of relevance, and it's 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 very very rare, um, if if not unique, um, in this country that cricket is so relevant. Which means you've got a chance of being successful if you're relevant. If you're not relevant, you've got a problem. Um, so that's why Somerset appealed, and that's how I ended up where I am. What I didn't bargain for was um, starting one week before the country went into lockdown, which is what I did. 16th of March I started in 2020, and then the country went into to lockdown for a long period of time, which kind of stifled some of my plans, but hopefully we're coming through that now. Well, well, we are, and, and we'll come on to that, because I think, strangely, it created opportunities for growth in others, uh, or certainly mm -hmm. developments and new ways of doing things, which we will talk about. I mean, Somerset has a 
long and proud traditionist. I think it's 147 years. Um, are you fine? Are you still now able to be growing membership and value for what members get? Do you feel that Somerset's in doing a good job in that area? Well, it's it's. Um, I think we've got a phenomenal membership. Um, you know, we've got six thousand members, which I think pound for pound is the best in the country, the highest in the country. We don't have international tickets to leverage membership on, on the back of. We're, we're, we're as good as we are as a club and a county club, and we get tremendous support um, from our, our membership. It's difficult for me to answer the question directly because I started a week before lockdown. 2020, what we all know, was kind of non-existent. 2021 was kind of a hybrid season coming back after, you know, in sort of restriction place. This year, we're thrilled um, with where we've got to on membership. We're somewhere between our 2019 number and our 2021 number, um, which is where we would have taken that. We weren't quite sure how how um, how it would all come back, but um, we're very, very pleased. What's the ceiling for membership? That's a very good question. Uh, I, I think that we've got more potential. There are, you know, there are 9 million people drive through Somerset each summer, by the way, to get to Devon and Cornwall mainly yeah. on holiday. And, and do we tap into those? people uh, have we got opportunities to capture them um in in some way who knows and that's that's what that's ongoing and will remain ongoing all we do know is if we can provide the best facilities with a really great experience that more people will come we know that so that's what we're going to focus on well it, it, yeah I, it leads me on to another thing really is that um how important somerset is to the southwest as a region as a whole um I mean, you mentioned that membership base. I mean, sure, you could look at Surrey. I think I've just touched 15,000, but that's a very different catchment area in a very different environment. And in, as you rightly said, a, a, a test match ground. Um, do you, is, it, is it a challenge somehow to sort of balance the, current, the needs of your current membership base, perhaps with a more traditional orientation and still find new ways to attract a younger and a more diverse audience? I think it's a great question, Tony. I think it's the biggest challenge we have um, as a sport, not just Somerset, but as a sport. Cricket's a very broad church. And I, I remember in, in my old job, I used to get a letter one week from someone saying, why are we not playing red ball cricket in July, August? And then the next day I'd get something from a parent saying, my son wants to come and watch cricket in the summer holiday. He wants to watch T20. Um, so you've got, we've got to, that's the challenge the game has now. And, and when you look at the, the number of issues that have that have come through the game in the last uh, year or two, the majority, not all, but the majority are caused by we haven't quite found the balance between white and red ball cricket yet. Mm. Uh, it's and it's when that balance tips in one direction that you have a have a problem. So if you go back to 2015, we got absolutely annihilated in the World Cup. Andrew came in, Andrew Strauss came in, um, focused on white ball cricket. And, and hey, sometimes we underestimate what a magnificent job um, he and colleagues did. Well, a World um, Cup that everyone is going to point at quite yeah, rightly too. Yeah. yeah, and what a magnificent performance. I mean, that that is a fan- we have got a fantastic white one-day one team. Fantastic. Um, one of the best ever, I would say, anywhere in the world. So we shouldn't underestimate that. But getting the balance then, that has unintended consequences because you should focus too much on that. The scales tip too far and, and red ball suffers. Mm. And that's that's obviously um, something the game now needs is focusing on to try and get right. Uh, well, I was looking at um, your chairman's 
2020 report. There isn't one yet, I don't think, for 2021. At least I haven't found it in my, my not research. Not um, he said, this has been an extraordinary year, which you, of course, alluded to. Uh, uh, and one that has, by necessity, shifted our short-term focus. However, we remain committed to one overarching objective, ensuring the long-term future success of Somerset County Cricket Club. Um, are Somerset? Are you are you feeling now that Somerset are able to move to that longer-term focus? And if so, what are the what for you are the key building blocks of that? Good question. The are we able to move? What we're doing now. So I, I look look at this over a five-year period. So we had 2020 and 21, which really was survival. Um, batten down the hatches, get your costs down, make sure Somerset County Cricket Club's here for another 147, 146 years. That was the focus. And I think sometimes it's underestimated the challenges we had. Um, we, as, and I mean, we as in every first-class county, we were very lucky to get the support of the ECB financially. They continued to pay on time every month. My word, I hate to think what would happen if they hadn't. Um, so that was good, but but what we did, I mean, we we were, we were a seven million pounds a year business, if I can use that word, because that's what we are—a small business. We were seven million pounds. Now, over the two years twenty and twenty twenty one, we our income was down four point five million. That is a big chunk of money, yeah. Um, over that's, that period, of time. that's about a sixty percent. If you're giving me that, yeah, numbers, that's a, <laughs> we'll make big, it based on those. Big chunk. So. No, sorry, the four and a half was over two years, Tony. Ah, so, okay, so, yeah. so, but still a heck of a chunk. Um, so um, to answer your question, 2020, 2021, uh, for me, survival. 2022 is um, transition uh, back to a thriving environment in 23 onwards, from 23 onwards, 23 to 24. So survive, transition, thrive. And it's very <laughs> difficult. It's it's all it's it's very it's difficult. Almost government like three word answer, which I quite yeah, like. Yeah, survive, transition, survive. It, and it, it's um, it, it what we're doing this year is rebuilding some of the foundations that have been damaged by COVID, and whether that's facilities in the ground. You know, we're investing money in in the ground now to, to get it back up to standard. We've done nothing for two years for obvious reasons. We haven't any money, so we're um, investing in that. We're investing in people because we had to make some painful decisions around people um, during COVID. So we're using this year to transition and build the platform to really grow from 23, 24. And your point about relevance is key, is that um, what, so often in cricket, we talk about what we do, not why we do it. You know, we constantly talk about what should be in, in place, you know, whether it should be four ball cricket, four, four day cricket in the summer or a white ball, a balance horse. We talk about what? The reason we exist, in my mind, as a first-class county is to inspire the population of the southwest uh, to participate in cricket. Now, that might be participating by coming and watching Somerset, being excited by Somerset. It might be picking up a bat and ball at the age of five, be it a boy or a girl. It might be becoming a coach. It might be becoming an umpire or a scorer or a volunteer at a club. It's critical that we inspire because if we don't, if we are successful and we win trophies and the rest of the game is, is shrinking, then the reality is the only, the only question is when's the funeral? Because yeah. the game, if the game shrinks, Somerset County cricket shrinks. So the reason we exist is to inspire the population of the Southwest 
to participate in the game so the game grows, which is why we work very, very closely with the Somerset Cricket Foundation and work, are working increasingly closely with our neighbours in Dorset, Devon, Cornwall, who do a fantastic job for the game um, in their counties. And so that's why we exist and that's what gets me up in the morning is, is to be able to, to do that. And being competitive on the field, having world-class players as a showcase to inspire people is critical to us. Well, I was going to, that's one of the things I was going to ask about. I mean, you've touched on pathways and I, and I, I would kind of, kind of like to come back to that. Um, but, you know, as I look in from the outside and as an occasional visitor to um, the county ground, I've always enjoyed it, by the way. Um, we haven't always won there. In fact, I think very rarely I'm a Middlesex man, <laughs> if you're still talking to me. Um, uh, it can be a feisty crowd, particularly if Middlesex are in town, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm just oversensitive, but it, it's, it's a very passionate and, and as I said, loyal one. Um, and, but there does seem to be, the one thing I absolutely notice, it seems to have a very strong club and social vibe to it. It's possibly, you know, the makeup of the ground. You know, it's that interesting sort of mix of sizes and shapes. It's not a uniform basin of a stadium, is it? It's, it's got, it, it itself has great character. It's got the beautiful pub next door. It's the, right in the middle of the town. You sort of sense you're walking into a, a, a family environment when, when you come in. How are you really going about, you know, taking that, what, I, what, I, what feels like to me, sort of essence of Somerset and really in sort of, taking it out into the community? Well, um, I think your point about passionate crowd is absolutely right. Reminds me a bit of Durham in a way, in that Durham had a kind of northeast identity. I think Somerset has a very southwest identity, and it feels like that, that's a very strong identity, which perhaps is different from some other uh, counties across the country, just purely because of our, our, our geographical yeah. location. That's an opportunity um, to excite and unite people around that identity. Um, we've invested a lot in our social media and we felt that that was very, very important during lockdown, that we retained a connection um, with, our, with our, our public and to ensure that they've still felt part of the club. Um, a, a small plug, you know, we won the YouTube Sports Channel of the Year Award um, last year. You know, be fended off. Manchester City, the Premier League, ATP, oh, well and all the rest of it on the shortlist. And that, that was due to the efforts of Ben Warren. The Emirates, and, that's the Emirates Royal Family you've beaten off there. It's not just one football club. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, Ben Warren, Dan Cooper have d did a magnificent job in leading our production on that and really spent a huge amount of time um, getting that better and better and better and better. Yeah. And, and that was great. So that was a really way, important way to connect and actually remains a really important way to connect. It won't go away because COVID hopefully is going away. It remains that. So that connection is important. And also your point about younger people. Um, that's how people consume, as the marketeers would tell you, consume content these days is on social media. It's so important that if we're to remain relevant for that younger population, we need to be really, really strong in that area. Yeah, well, I, that's, I mean, one statistic I read, and it was actually about Somerset, was when you look at the growth in your broadcast of, um, you know, when people couldn't get to games, your match streaming, not only did it achieve terrific volume, but as is the case with the internet, it, it, it expanded quite dramatically the age range of the people that were experiencing, you know, the chance to watch Somerset. Which in yep. a way is, you know, if you're looking for the for the silver 
lining to the darker cloud. Yeah, yeah, there, I guess, was one, wasn't there? Yeah, 100%. Do you think, and you touched on it a wee bit when you sort of likened yourself to Durham, although you've got one fundamental difference with Durham, apart from what two, in the, one is that Durham's privately owned, I think, but um, a non-test match ground. Does that mean, particularly at the moment, you as a club, you have to kind of work twice as hard? <laughs> Um, if you if you fear perhaps the game is moving a little bit towards some consolidation, is well, there a, felt, an onus on Somerset to do, do work even harder? Yeah, I, I felt for some time, Tony, that um, there's a very big difference between a venue and a club, mm. and I think sometimes cricket gets that confused, or the cricketing public gets that confused. You know, the, the, the thing that makes a big club isn't the number of seats that you've got in your ground. It's your reach. It's how many people you reach. Now, our population, if you take Cornwall, Devon, Dorset and um, Somerset, is 3.6 million. Now, we reckon that's the fourth biggest in the country. So we reckon we're the fourth biggest county club in the country <laughs> because that's our reach and that's our opportunity. We've got, we've got a relatively small venue um, and, and that's, that, that's the footprint we've got and we've no ambition uh, to change that at all. So... Our reach is, is significant and our, therefore our opportunity is significant. What we need as a club is the opportunity to um, showcase world-class cricketers on the field at, in, in, at peak times of the year. And that's the risk to us now, is that, is that having um, the, the growth in overseas domestic competitions, which is just huge, in terms of the growth, and players bigger. going to IPL and getting bigger and it's bigger and bigger. And also the fact we've not got international cricket, we've not got the 100. The, our, our risk is that we don't get the ability to showcase world-class cricketers on our stage uh, in, in Taunton so that the public can be inspired by them. That's our risk. It's not, it's not the actual reach that we've got, it's the risk. And that's something that we're talking to ECB about is, is how we overcome uh, those challenges uh, that the that the game has, and and a lot of discussion going on in the last recent months about what the domestic schedule looks like, how that moves forward, when red ball cricket's played, when the hundred dovetails with the blast, and all that sort of stuff. And we're actively engaged um, in those discussions. But that's our that's our one requirement. I don't think that's really optional. We absolutely need to have world class cricketers in one currency or the other uh, taking the field at Taunton on a regular basis. Yeah, I, it's it's. I mean, it was Jonathan Agnew, I think, who had um, was one of the voices. Kevin Peterson being another, sort of espousing a kind of a franchise system for first class cricket. You know, you know, in the, in the idea that less teams would play a better quality of cricket. Um, and when I spoke with Sean Jarvis, you know, I was going, "Well, how does that make you feel when you're <laughs> when, when he's a man of Leicestershire, <laughs> Leicestershire made yeah. his career?" But but. I, I struggle to buy the argument that less will mean better quality. I think the structure is there. If you allow it to flourish, then the quality itself will grow. If you play at the right times, if you bring in money because you promote it so well that more people watch it, then the quality itself will, in, will increase. I, I, I don't buy the reduction equals increasing quality argument how, yeah, how, how would you sort of talk about 
that? Yeah, well, I mean, and I've always thought this, I, I think there's a lot of, I mean, the question I got asked in my old job more than any was, oh, we've got too many counties, you know, and um, the way I always answered it um, was that I think we need as many good counties as we can get. And if that's 24, it should be 24. Um, if it's eight, it should be eight. 16 should be 16, 18 should be, you know, it's however many good ones. You can't have enough good counties, yeah? who are delivering value for the game. And I think that's the important bit, is how do we ensure that the money that the game is investing in, in cricket generally is well invested and, and that gets a return for the game? Because it's not ECB's money, it's cricket's money. Mm-hmm. And we've got to make sure, and every effort's got to be made to ensure that, that cricket's money gets a return, whether it be on the England teams, and whether it be on women's cricket, whether it be on disabilities cricket, whether it be on first-class counties or county boards and foundations, we've just got to, I think we've all got an obligation to ensure, you know, as, as tenants of this game, we're only tenants, we're passing through, yeah. that we make sure that we deliver value to in return for cricket's investment in us. And I think that's where the counties have a responsibility. I think, certainly feel that responsibility, that we've got to make sure that Somerset delivers value, not just for ourselves, but for the game as a whole. And then from that, you get your number. So I think the numbers are red herring. Um, it's it's how we can make sure and help counties deliver value for the for the money they get. Well, I, 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 that's a terrific sentiment. Let's let's sort of zoom in perhaps on three areas, some of which we've sort well, of touched might. on a wee bit. Um, we talked a little bit about expanding the fan base, but the future of the game is not people my age, sadly passionate as I am about the game um, yeah. it is about both a younger and more diverse fan base now one thing I did notice with Somerset you, you, you have quite a range of membership options it took me a while to digest them um, but I did notice <laughs> I did notice that um, there were some attractive options for uh, a very keenly priced options indeed for for younger supporters you know do, do you have a kind of a a target in mind for, 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 for how many younger people you want to want to bring towards the county i think i think i'd just challenge the premise of what you've said mm. in that we we rightly focus on can we get more young people into the game and of course that's important that's that's tomorrow's bread and butter if you like um but it's not all about young people you know if cricket's going to be a game for everyone there has to be a diet that suits people of all ages whether they're 90 or whether they're five and and that's really important. And I think we sometimes get obsessed with one particular grouping and, and inspiring that grouping. I think it's it's broader than than that. And I think that's really that's really important premise to it's a really important principle to agree because that drives decision making. Now the other thing we don't know, and this is a thing, Tony, that's never been debated much, is you know, when you when you're um when you're young. Um, your parents hate pop music, yeah? They hate it. You know, they complain that you've got it on and all the rest of it. I think I could safely vouch for that being true. Yeah. yeah from my but at, one point, at one point, they loved it. Yeah. And what, what, what happens as they go through their life is they, their, their tastes change. Now, who's to say that the T20 fan of today won't like four-day cricket in 30 years' time? Who knows? We don't know. We've assumed they won't. And I, and I think that there's been some justification for assuming, but not complete, you know, in that social... The thing that's changed cricket more than anything is 
um, short form um, cricket is it appeals to young people who now live in an instant society, mm. and they want offerings in, in, in short windows. They may or may not do in the future when they get older. So I don't think we should assume that that is. So we need to have an appeal, uh, uh, um, an offering for young people to inspire them to get involved. And in my case, a successful Somerset team <laughs> is really, really important to that. You know, there'll be, a, there'll be a link between Somerset being successful and competitive and participation, in my view, because it excites people. Yeah. You know, we had a quarterfinal blast, Vitality Blast game last summer against Lancashire. It was a phenomenal game and the place was rocking. There will be kids going away from that and people of, of our age and above going away. I'll never forget that night. And it inspires them to come back again. It inspires them to go to their local club and, and, and fall in love with cricket, as the 2005 Ashes did for so yeah. many people, as the Richards Garner both Amira did for so many people. So it's really important that we continue to make have an offer that appeals to all shapes and sizes and age groups, in my view. Uh, well, it's a broad church, and, I, and I'm, I'm delighted to hear you say that. Can we talk a little bit about pathways? Because, again, one of the challenges is bringing a broader mix of players into the professional game and you know that involves some of the things you've talked about from a community aspect it's reaching out into that broad community and clubs and making them feel part of the county and making sure that those players transition and come in come into the, the you know to be tomorrow's well hopefully test players what are some of the things you're doing in that area to to, to broaden that net well i i think i mean there's been a lot of talk about equity diversity and inclusion in fact i'm sitting here in a hotel room in birmingham on a two-day inclusive, inclusivity conference, trying to learn about this topic, this very topic, which is really interesting. Um, for me, um, that um, discrimination is more than just race. Um, it's a much broader topic than that. There's been a lot of focus on race in the last uh, few months, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, but for me, it's, it's about gender balance. Uh, it's about sexuality it's about making sure that everyone feels that they're welcome and someone explained to me once the difference between diversity and inclusivity you know diversity being being invited to the party inclusivity is being invited to dance and they're very different things you know when you think about that it's true do i feel comfortable do i feel accepted do i feel that this is a, this is a place for me um and that's really important that we learn about what obstacles exist for people from all sorts of different backgrounds. Why, why do they feel comfortable? Um, uh, or so why do they feel comfortable? Why do they feel uncomfortable? And break down those barriers. And I think there's been a lot of talk in recent months about the need to address it, which is absolutely right. But at the same time, we need to start moving to solutions and how we, how we and it won't change overnight. It won't, excuse me, it just won't change overnight. It, it will take time, education, removing unconscious bias, changing the way we operate things, not being frightened to change. So the pathway um, is one of those things. And what um, we're doing now is we've incredibly fortunate to have acquired on the Somerset Cricket Foundation trustees, um, a gentleman um, called Habib Nakfi, who is uh, a leading EDI specialist within the NHS. 
mm-hmm. um, and he is leading our work on an action plan to focus on change, one of which is the pathway. It's a really important one for us, uh, making sure that the pathway is, is, is free, that it's fluid, that it, it, it allows everybody to come through. Our population, our ethnically diverse population is 2.1% at the last census. So it's not huge, but it's important. And the other elements of inclusivity are very, very important as well. And we're doing a lot of work on that. We don't know all the answers yet. I don't think anyone does. Is the truth, but what's important is the discussions are being had. We're changing some of the ways that we're operating. For instance, when we have a job vacancy now, um, it's an anonymous application, so we don't know your name when you apply, so that that removes any unconscious bias um, from that application. So we're doing lots of things, and and the, the action plan, which will be out in April, will we'll have full details on that. Oh, well, I shall hopefully chat to you again when. When that is out, because uh, I'd but actually, to hear about that. a point to say on this, um, Tony, is it's not just the right human thing to do, which of course it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the right business thing to do. You know, if you're if you're discriminating against a third of your society or whatever it is, that's crazy. You know, wow. you, you, <laughs> it's not the right business thing. It's 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 right from every angle. So we're excited by that. consider the playing talent. And the breadth and depth of potential playing talent that, that, that could be brought into the game, not just from a yeah. fan, but also a playing perspective. Um, let me just touch a, a little bit on the 100. Um, you know, when Somerset is kind of lumped together with a, as a sort of a triumvirate with Glamorgan and Gloucestershire, <laughs> and it becomes, you know, it was the Western team, uh, the Welsh, mm. Welsh fire. Um, is that that was a tough thing, I think, for many Somerset fans to take. How, when, when they say mm. to you, "That doesn't feel right to me," how do you how do how do how do you sort of answer no. that when they when they say? They that? don't normally put it as politely as that. I would have to <laughs> say. Um, I, I think that, understandably, the Southwest feels a bit excluded mm. uh, from this this show, and um, we've got a problem with that. You know, there, there is there is definitely a problem. Uh, probably here and in the in the northeast as well. I know Tim Bostock at Durham feels the same, um, which is which is an issue because, and and that's something we need to to address. I think it comes back to the previous point about having world class cricketers on the stage. Um, yeah. I'm open to what currency that is, uh, but it a it's currency important you mean format, I guess. Yeah, whatever. I I just need to have. The modern day Viv Richards, Joel Garner, Ian Botham's on the stage at good times so people can come and be inspired by them. That's what I need. And there ain't too many of them around, but um, that's what that's what we need. So I think I think it's linked to that. Um, I think the hundred itself, hey, look, it's uh, it's emotional uh, for a number of people. It is putting at risk in a number of people's eyes something they've treasured for 146 years, which is Somerset. I believe we can have a strong Somerset working alongside it, but I believe that we need to get the balance of the schedule right so that we can have um, the opportunity to be competitive as a county uh, and build on our history. Uh, we're not finished yet. We've still got something to win um, and you know, and, and go from there. So I think we've got to try and get the balance, but that, that needs the whole game to look at that rather than just Somerset. 
Perfect. Uh, well, Gordon, I'm conscious of your time because I know you're at a conference and I guess you've got something there to go to. But so, so let's, um, you, you've kind of led me on to scheduling, which I was going to ask you about, actually. You know, mm. that a, a lot of people, rightly or wrongly, draw a, a direct connection between England's test team's disappointing results and the timing and structure of the yeah. county game. Do you think that the structure for 2022, the, the 10 and 8 and the slight improvement in July, but still pretty fallow August, do you think that is going far enough to, to ultimately give players a chance to improve or, or, or is it just a first step in that direction? Well, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? That whenever we have an Ashes humiliation, um, which is fairly regular, comes, particularly away. Yeah, everything comes on the table, um, yeah. and every problem the game's ever had surfaces for debate, which is it's a good thing, I think. Um, I, I think, I think it's it, it's a the silver lining of the Ashes debacle will be that the discussions will take place about how to get better. If we'd won two one or something, then these discussions wouldn't happen, but the problems would still be there. Yeah. So I think so. It's never, it, but but people tend to. Say it's one issue. It's the schedule, or it's the England management, or it's the captain, or it's it's never one issue. It's at least half a dozen, um, and some of those issues weren't helped by COVID, particularly in terms of preparation time. But it is obvious that if we have four day cricket being played when it is now, it's not easy to be a top order batsman. No, everyone knows that. It's not easy to be a spinner. Everyone knows that. So I don't think it goes far enough. I think it's an improvement. Um, but uh, the the review, high performance review that Andrew Strauss is, is leading is a really important piece of work to make sure that we put in place sustainable changes that will allow the game and f- the four day game to be improved at the same time. And make the point I started with is not tipping the balance too far in favour <laughs> so that we, 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 we have a weak white ball set up. We need both. And it's that optimal balance that's, that's got to be the ambition. Well, yeah. And uh, amen to that. So I'm going to ask you one more question. You've actually sort of answered it possibly, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, if you could have one wish for Somerset looking to the next five years, what would that be? If you find the championship time now. I Win the championship wondering. this year. Um, well, that was easy. I'm glad you said that, not me. But I'd, I, I'd love to win the championship this year. You've no idea. I, I think it would be so many people. Was it six times um, runners up in two in the two thousands? Uh, five, uh, four in the last sorry, four in the last six years. Um, uh, runners up, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, that's obviously a short term. We just want to get that done. Um. And it, I'm a I'm a Hibs fan, football, and yeah. uh, Hibs didn't win the Scottish Cup for 114 years, and, and I was there when we won it. And believe me, geez, what a difference! And I, th- I think about the same. You know, I, I'd love, I'd love to for that to happen uh, for the championship to be won in five years' time. Well, we've got our 150th anniversary in 2025, so that's something to look forward to. And what I would like more than anything for Somerset is for it to be continuing to be a competitive county in its own right, to be staging uh, high-profile matches which allow us to field world-class players, showcase world-class players on the stage um, at Taunton, um, and um, to, to be a strong contributor to the growth of the game in England and Wales. That, that is test this year, which is very encouraging. That. Women's test. And when I say a strong contributor, I mean... The number of people picking up a bat and ball, the, num- the club structure being strong, 
the number of people watching it on live, the number of people following it on social media and all that sort of stuff. I just wanted to be really strong against anyone, be right up there, be best in class, if you like, and making that contribution and exciting people through what we offer. Well, as a Middlesex man, even I would wish you well in that, I've got to say. <laughs> Not at our expense, but generally, a good, a healthy Somerset is healthy for cricket, in my opinion. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to sort of absorb some of your you know, clarity of thinking, but also you know, passion for doing the right thing for Somerset. So Gordon Hollins, thank you very much. Thanks, Tony, and thanks for what you guys are doing for cricket but well, through the promotion. That's of it. a really great good. pleasure. Revolution, 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 Revolution,